Welcome to Live the Dream. That name in itself tells you what the program is all about. It's about knowing not only about what you don't want, but finding out how to define and live the life that you do want. Now, here's your host, Karen Dillon, and co-hosts, Marissa Marseille and Tom Pearson. Hello, everyone. This is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream. This is a show where we talk about how you can go and pursue the dreams that you've had, make them a reality, and live the life that you've always wanted. So we've had many uh, different topics that we've covered so far, but today what we're going to talk about is a topic that's um, intrinsic to anything that we do, which is why we're motivated to do something or what motivates us. Because it's important to understand this topic because when we do understand it, what we realize is why some people have a very easy time pursuing their dreams. They actually enjoy it and the process is you know, fun for them. While others, or most people I should say, when they're going after what they want, even though they know they really, really want it, they have a very difficult time pursuing it. And they face a lot of what I call internal resistance. You know, the biggest amount of resistance comes from themselves, just, just, not, want, just not being motivated to go after what they want, right? Because it's also a question of energy. We've talked about the principle that success requires energy. And so even if you want something, you may have a higher level of desire for it. Many times we find that we just don't have the energy to pursue it. And it's the number one reason why people fail. They just don't have enough energy. So the question then becomes is where does that come from, right? We talk about motivators. And so the important thing to understand is that there are only two motivators in life. That's it. Only two. And every other motivate, everything else that we're motivated by falls under these two. Okay, so these are called the primary motivators. So the two primary motivators in life are, the first one is love. Okay? And the second is fear. So think about it. Have you ever been motivated by love to do something for someone? We've all experienced that. And have you ever, motivated, have you ever been motivated by fear? Well, we all know exactly what that feels like, right? So these are the two primary motivators. Now, if you think about it, which one of these two tends to dominate in our lives? Okay? Especially, you know, we, we talk to a lot of people here who own businesses. It doesn't matter. I mean, even if you're in college, you're looking for a job or you have a job, you want to do something better. Okay? Which of these two motivators tends to dominate? And if we're honest with ourselves, obviously, it is what? It is fear right? Because fear is definitely a motivator. It gets us off our butts pretty fast. And for most people, fear is what tends to dominate as a motivator in our lives. Obviously, it's not very pleasant, but that's really what, you know, the answers we get from most people when we ask them, hey, you know, what's your primary motivator? They're like fear, you know, fear of not being able to pay rent, fear of not having enough money for this, or fear of missing out, or, you know, whatever it is. So if fear is such a primary or important part of motivation, what it is, what it would be important to understand what it actually is. So if I asked you a question, you know, what is the definition of fear? What would you say? Okay. Now, if you think about it for a second, you know, you get all sorts of answers. You know, some people are like fear is false evidence appearing real. You know, the, you know it's a clever little acronym or some people get into philosophy of, you know, fear and this, but that's all fine. But if I just asked you a simple definition of fear, what is it? What would you say? And some people get, you know, it's a, it's a point of confusion because even though we know what fear is, we know how it feels, we don't really know what, how do you, how do you define it? Exactly, what is the exact definition? So the exact definition, if we take a look at fear, it is simply the anticipation of pain. Okay? And the key word in that being what? The anticipation. Okay? Because it's not actually the event happening because then it's too late, right? We're going to deal with it. So fear is really the anticipation of pain. To give you an example of you know, what I'm talking about is, you know, let's take something that most people are afraid of, um, I don't know, like rattlesnakes, okay? So if I said, hey, here you go, here's a box and it's full of rattlesnakes and the lid is loose, so here, grab it and hold it tight. And if you're actually afraid of rattlesnakes, what might happen? You might experience some what? Fear, right? Why? Because 
you are anticipating getting bit, the pain of getting bit by those rattlesnakes and all the problems it creates and on and on and on. Now, now the box could actually be empty, right? But the fear would still be real. Okay, so the point I'm trying to make is that's really what fear is. It's not the actual event. Or it's not the fear of the actual event. It's simply the anticipation of pain, of what might happen in the future that's going to cause us pain. Okay? So if, if you think about you know, life in general, especially if you're in business, what's the fear that we all have? Or what's the f uh, biggest fear that tends to dominate? It's fear of what? Okay? So for most people, the answer is it's the fear of failure of things really, really not going the way we want or going really, really bad. Fear of failure. That's the biggest fear that most people have. Now then, if that's the biggest fear, then the question is, where did that come from? Where did the failure, fear of failure come from? Were we born with it? The answer is clearly no. Nobody is born with the fear of failure because if you think about a baby, right, or a kid who's learning how to walk, when they learn how to walk, what happens a lot? I mean, what happens a lot is they fall down. Right now, if you're an adult and you're having the same experience that every time you try to walk, you fall down, it happens over and over again. You start to view it as what failure, right? I tried this. I couldn't succeed. I failed, right? And I'm trying it over and over again and I keep failing. Now, if the baby had the same point of view that if I, whenever I try to walk, I fall down and I fail, what would happen? It may not, may never learn how to walk. Okay. So that's sort of the way we as adults operate. If we try something and it doesn't work, we try once, we try twice, we try three times, um, we view it as failure. Now, if we look at babies, most of them learn, figure out how to walk. Almost all of them do, right? So they clearly were not born with this fear of failure. Where do we learn it? Okay. Where do we fail for the first time in our life? Obviously in school, right? Because before that, we're just playing around, we're having fun. But when we go to school, right, we take tests. And then in a test, you're not supposed to make what? mistakes because if you make too many mistakes then you what fail right so this is sort of a mindset that gets developed in school that if you make too many mistakes then you fail okay and this is the same mindset that we take with us in life and in life you know when we go out and try things if things don't work out how do we view it that we failed right now obviously this is a problem because especially if you're trying to do a business or you're trying something new, things you've never done before, are all the answers going to be apparent or evident for you or just laid out for you in an easy to figure out fashion? For most people, that's not true. You got to figure things out, right? And the answers may not even be apparent even after you try it many times. However, if that's how you view it, that if I don't figure it out right away that I failed, what's going to happen? How enthusiastic are you going to be to try new things or to try again? Well, clearly not very, right? And if you don't try, what happens to your chances of success? Well, they plummet. So that's one of the reasons why people don't succeed is because they simply are viewing all their, um, their, you know, their attempts at being successful, which don't work out as failures. And then they get demotivated, the, the conditioning from school kicks in, and they stop trying, okay? Now, the question is, why? You know, why do we have this fear of failure? You know, is it, is it really the event? What is actually going on here when, when we are not succeeding? Why is it so hard? Why is this so difficult? Because if you think about it for a second, for most people, when they try something and things don't work, what happens? Okay, something didn't work. But then how do you think that person is treating themselves? Most of us are pretty hard on ourselves, right? We're like, oh, crap, I should never try this. I don't know. Why am I even doing this? This is ridiculous. You know, I knew it. I never should have done it. On and on and on and on. Okay. We're not being very good to ourselves. Because if you think about it, if somebody else was in that same situation, that they were trying something, but they, they didn't succeed, they didn't, they didn't get the result that they want, how would you treat that person? Okay. Would you be mean and horrible and say things to them? Or would you go out there and be supportive and say, hey, it doesn't matter. Try again. You know, you're doing well or whatever it is. For most people, you know, they'll, they'll be like the latter, which is like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be supportive. I'll, you know, I'll give them some support and see if they need anything. I'll help them. So when do we need our support the most? When we're doing well or when things are not going that great? Obviously, you know, we need our support the most when things are not going great. But how do we treat ourselves in that time? You know, we treat ourselves the worst, the hardest, okay? Because the whole point is when we talk about the fear of failure, what is the exact fear that we're talking about? Okay. 
when things, we try something and things don't work out, how do we treat ourselves? Poorly. Most people are extremely hard on themselves. So what, what we're actually afraid of isn't actually the event, okay, the incident that's happening or the result that we're creating. What we're afraid of really is how we are going to treat ourselves and how that is going to make us feel if we do something and it doesn't work the way we want it to. So the person that we're really afraid of is who? If you think about it, it's ourselves. And if you really think about that, that's crazy. The person that we are the most afraid of is ourselves. More specifically, how we will treat ourselves if things don't work out, okay? Because most people are very good at treating themselves poorly. And it's a conditioned learned response through multiple you know, years and decades of basically different experiences that they've had. Okay? Because the thing is, can anyone else actually make you feel bad or make you feel the, the type of pain that we can make ourselves? Because you know, let's take an example. Let's say, I don't know, let's say you have a business of some sort. Let's say you have a business and you design websites. Okay, let's just take that as an example. And I come to you and I say, hey, you suck as a web designer. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Your websites are horrible and on and on. Now, you could take that one of two ways. You could say, you know what? Karn's right. My websites are horrible. This is bad. I should just quit. And, you know, this is just, I just am so bad, just like he said. If that's the case, how will you feel? Obviously, terrible, right? You will have a lot of pain and you'll feel horrible about yourself and you might even quit. You know, shut down your business and go home and just go crawl under your bed. On the other hand, you could also view it another way. You could say, Karn has no idea how to design a website. He can't even write a line of code. He has no idea what he's talking about. This is just nonsense. And if that's how you think, how much pain are you going to have based on what I said? Absolutely none. The point I'm making is, can I or somebody else cause you pain? The answer is no. The only person who can really cause you pain is who? Yourself. And you, if you agree with other people who, you know, who have something bad to say about you. So the truth of the matter is, what would happen to you in your life if you made a decision? And the decision was to treat yourself well, no matter what is happening. Okay? If you decided that no matter whether I go out there and make a million dollars today or whether I go out there and lose a million dollars today, it doesn't matter. The only way I'm going to treat myself is well. Who could stop you at that point? Okay, the obvious answer that comes back is we would almost be unstoppable, right? Because the only person that can actually stop us is who? Ourselves, okay? So the question is, if that's true, then how do you get there? Okay, but just understanding this doesn't make anything different, right? It's a nice thought and gives us a little bit of relief and some energy, but how do you really get there? Because like we discussed in the beginning, most of us are, are um, motivated by what? By fear. And we've talked about it. It's not the actual failure that we're afraid of. It's, the, it's how we're going to treat ourselves. The amount of pain we are going to cause who? Ourselves, if things don't work out the way we want them to, Okay. So how do you then go from operating like this to going to a point where now we're talking about the other motivator, which is we start to be motivated by what? By love, but specifically love for who? Ourselves. Okay. How, how does that happen? How do you make that transition? In order to make that transition or even understand where to start, we have to understand where that comes from, where love comes from. Okay. The place where that comes from, how you create it, is through gratitude. Okay, we've talked about gratitude before and the importance of expressing gratitude, right? Because if you think about it, okay, let's say, you are, how, how does one express gratitude? It's like you, you go to somebody or you talk, you talk to somebody and say, hey, you know, thank you for doing whatever. Thank you for making dinner or thank you for draw, giving me the present or whatever it is, okay? So now we're talking about <clears throat> having love for who? yourself. So the question I have for you is this, how often in your life have you expressed gratitude to yourself? Now, when I ask people this question, most of the times I get a complete blank stare. 
They like the express gratitude for who? Me? What, what, what is that? What, what does that even mean? That means exactly what I'm saying. How often have you thanked yourself for going out and doing what is it that you do? Okay. Some people say, well, you know, I do do that. Um, I did a great job on this thing yesterday. And, uh, you know, whatever it is, let's just take an example. I closed a deal or I finished a project on time and it was fantastic. And I was very proud of myself. So I said, hey, great job. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. Because that, let's say you did something well and you said, great job to yourself. That is called celebrating a win. Okay. Which is, hey, you did something good. You said, great job. Fantastic. And that's very important, by the way. You don't, you know, it's not something that you should neglect. You should always acknowledge the fact when you do a great job. What I'm talking about is completely different. What I'm talking about is expressing gratitude for yourself, whether things are going well or things are going poorly. It doesn't matter. You know, like I said, whether you go out there and, and you go and you did a fantastic job or you did a phenomenal job on the project and the client is extremely happy or you did a phenomenal job in closing the deal or you made a ton of money or whatever it is, or you did the exact opposite. You screwed up the sale. You know, you, the project was done poorly. You were lazy. Okay. Whatever it is, it is about going home or having, or being able to look at yourself and expressing gratitude in that moment, even if things are going poorly. And when I say this, for most people, it brings up a ton of resistance. It's like, what do you mean? Isn't there a question of responsibility and accountability? And shouldn't you be blah, 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 blah? You know where this is going, okay? And I'm, what, I, what I'm telling you is it doesn't matter, okay? The important thing to understand is that in order for you to have the energy to pursue your desires and lower the resistance level for you to go after what you want, you have to have an agreement with who? With yourself. That no matter whether things go well or things go poorly, the only way I am going to treat myself is what? Is well. Because if you have that agreement with yourself, and if you actually sincerely believe that is true, that you are not going to cause yourself pain, regardless of what the results that you're producing are, what might start to happen? What might start to happen to the fear of failure that most people are so afraid of? Okay, It might start to go down because you know that you're not going to be the one that causes yourself pain. You're always going to treat yourself well. You're always going to treat yourself like you would treat somebody else who's trying. Okay, Because when you do that, what do you think happens to your energy level? It obviously goes up. And as your energy level goes up, what happens to your motivation level? That goes up as well. Okay. So this is one of the things that you have to really think about and understand that where do you want to come from in life, right? What do you want to be motivated by? You can be motivated by fear, which, you know, fear provides plenty of motivation, right? It gets you off your butt fast. But the thing is, you know, if you're motivated by fear, then you're almost in survival mode all the time. It's kind of like driving a car in like first gear. And the only thing you do is like, well, the only thing you know how to do is like push on the gas. You know what happens to an engine, right? If you're in first gear and all, you just floor it. How long can you sustain that? Not very long. Eventually, the engine is going to blow up. And that's how most people live their lives, right? On a, in a high-stress situation. And the whole thing is caused by who? Yourself, okay? Specifically on how you treat yourself, especially when things don't go right. So you can always then go through a process where you make an agreement with yourself that you're going to be treating yourself well, because if you do that and you stick, stick with it and be consistent with it, you then start to create the other motivator, which is what? Love. For who? Yourself. And when that happens, what types of results do people create? Okay. Probably some of the best results in their lives. Okay. And they have a very easy time doing it because now the way the, or the path to achieving their goals is easy. There's a lot less resistance because the process, they're not inflicting pain on themselves in the process. Does that make sense? So what we're going to do after the break is show you some examples of people who've actually tried this and were able to shift the way they think about going after their dreams or their goals and what, how that process changed for them and then how their results changed. You know, it's kind of like driving a car like in fifth gear now. 
It's a lot, it's a much smoother ride. So this is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream. And after the break, we're going to give you some examples of how actually people implemented this in their life. So don't go away and we'll be back soon. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers channel this is the voice america influencers channel be inspired you are listening to live the dream to reach the show live today please call in to 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to karen that's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. Hi, and welcome back from the break. This is Marie Somerset. I'm Master Coach with The Contractors Coach and your co-host. And before we left from the break, uh, Karen was talking about motivators. And he was basically describing the two uh, primal, uh, prime motivators of love and fear and the difference between uh, being motivated by each one. And what I'd like to do in this segment is actually share with you some examples of how this happens in real life. And that area where I see a lot of this uh, come up, and actually what I see is people going from one side to the other, so from fear to love, back to fear, and back and forth, and making things very confusing, is in the area of actually building a team. So when we work with our clients, that is a big part of what we do is we help them build a business that can run without them. And that means that they have to put systems in place, but also they have to get the right people to implement those systems for them. So if there's a lot of fear or if the motivation to building this team comes from fear, there's a lot of issues that come up that slow people down, even paralyze them or just kind of create a very stressful uh, environment around building this team. So one of the first things that comes up is uh, something that Karen mentioned earlier, which is that this fear that we have, especially in business, the fear of uh, failing, it comes with also the fear of making mistakes. And I see that in the hiring process as well. And that is people having the fear of making a mistake uh, by hiring the wrong person. Right? So they know they have to build a team, so they logically know that. Uh, the initial motivation may come from the love side, you know, knowing that they want a bigger team, they, they can picture themselves not having to do everything and how great that would look. So the motivation kind of starts on that end. But then pretty quickly, when they start actually going through the process, the motivation, I see it changing to the side of fear. What that looks like is this, you know, they, they start, uh, let's say they put the ad out and they start getting some resumes and some people start getting extremely picky, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, lowering standards or anything like that, but just if, if there's anything, tiny little thing missing on the resume uh, or even things that are not that important, it'll be like, oh no, it's not the right person, it's not the right person, it's not the right person. Or what they might do is um, they have candidates that they're interested in but then they delay calling them back, right? And in this market, especially in construction, if you delay that communication, you're going to lose the people, right? So they find ways of kind of sabotaging the process uh, without really noticing that's what they're doing. But what, what's happening is they have the fear of choosing the wrong person. And maybe that comes from having done that in the past and remembering what happened when the wrong person was there. Uh, or sometimes it's just little voice taking over, you know, that says something like, oh, my God, if I, if I hire the wrong person, it, things are going to be worse. I'm going to spend all this time, you know, 
training people and putting effort into it and getting my hopes up. And then they're going to leave immediately or, you know, they're, they're not going to last or they're going to make a mess and I'm going to have to fix it. Right. So that's where the little voice is, is going. Right. And it basically slows down the process. And what happens is uh, even like uh, sometimes, you know, maybe they find people they like and then they, they're excited about it. And then that person doesn't show up for the interview. Right. So it, all of those things add up to that fear that I'm never going to get the right person. Okay. And what happens here, the, the problem with the fear of making mistakes is this idea that the first time that you're going to do something, you're going to get it right, uh, perfect the first time around. And the understanding that really has to come for or around hiring is that hiring, just like anything else, right, the whole process. So writing a great ad and, and reviewing resumes and interviewing people and all of that, they're all skills, right? So just like any other skill, you're only going to get good at it if you practice enough and you learn from every experience. So the moment that that fear of making mistakes starts in this process, in the hiring process, people get really paralyzed and they keep delaying these interviews. They keep delaying bringing in people uh, because they're just afraid that they're going to get the wrong person, that it's just not going to work, right? Uh, or even the belief that maybe they will get somebody, but they're not going to be able to keep them, right? Something about this is not going to work. It's going to be a mistake. It's going to be a waste of time. So that's one area that's very common. When the motivation, right, because people still go through the motions, they still post the ads and they still uh, do interviews. But when it's coming from that, it's coming from um, a place of anxiety. And it's not, what I've noticed is that it delays the process a lot. So everything gets extended. So the anxiety itself gets ex extended, right? Instead of actually coming from, uh, the side of love or gratitude that, you know, even just having the, the gratitude come in of shifting the motivation and saying, okay, uh, one aspect of gratitude, for example, uh, we have our clients do a, a daily gratitude process. One side of gratitude, one of the questions that, that's in this process is, uh, goes like this, what did you learn? What did you get better at? Or what did you improve today? So even that aspect of gratitude would help in the situation because uh, even if it's the wrong person or the interview didn't go very well or things like that, you always go back to, you, you can always answer that question. So you can always say, okay, well, at least I learned this. You know, now I know how to ask better questions or now I know what to look for. Uh, sometimes when people are hiring for the first time for a position, like whether it's an office manager or a project manager or an estimator, they don't even know what that position is supposed to look like. So almost impossible to be great at it the very first time and get the perfect person the first time. So even coming to gratitude from that perspective, from the perspective that this, these are skills that you have to learn, that you have to practice, that you're going to get better, that you're not going to achieve perfection the first time around, that it takes time to get good at knowing people and spotting the right people for your company. Just accepting that from a gratitude place is going to be a lot more helpful than this very anxious way of looking for people. Now, there's, there's other aspect that happens. Uh, it happens a lot with our clients, and our clients mostly are in the construction industry. But another fear that comes around building a team um, is basically even uh, the idea that it's not, not so much about um, being scared of hiring the wrong person, but the fear is about, okay, once I have this person, can I keep this person busy? Right? I hear that from almost every single client that I have, even if, after we do the numbers, right? And we see, okay, you can't afford this person and this is what they are going to bring in and everything's working out. They think very, very long term and the fear that comes up is, well, can I keep this person or all of these people busy, right? Now, again, when the motivation comes from that fear, what happens is 
things get a little bit confusing. And what happens um, when the fear, uh, when fear is motivating, it creates sometimes this vicious cycle. And what I mean is something like this, right? The, the owner gets really busy doing all this extra work that somebody else should really be doing. So they get, in our case in construction, they get sucked back into the field. So now they're back in there with their tool belt. Um, they're either doing the work themselves or they're project managing the work. But the point is that now they're back in the field and not in the office or not running the business. And the whole um, idea that they may not have enough money for the new people starts becoming almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because what happens is they, they think they can't afford the person because they can't keep them busy uh, for the long term. So they go and do the work themselves. When they do the work themselves, then what do they give up? Well, now they don't have time to be in the office. What that means is that they don't have time to do any selling or they don't have time to actually put together the bids that they need to put together to generate those sales. So if they do this for long enough, they start creating this roller coaster of one month they have sales, the other month they don't, and things like that. And guess what that creates? That actually creates the reality that they were afraid of, which is, well, maybe no. If they, if they do it that way, they may not have um, enough sales to sustain a large team. Right? So the point is that when people are motivating, uh, motivated by fear, even if they take some actions, uh, most of the time they can get stuck and they get, can get stuck in that cycle, right? So in this case, what I um, talk about with clients is basically going back to remembering why they actually started the business in the first place, right? Taking them back to the love that they actually had for themselves and their families, uh, the, the love of wanting to provide a better lifestyle for themselves and their families and kind of visualizing what that requires and seeing part of that team and seeing that even if there is risk in, in business, that's really what they, they chose to have this lifestyle that they want, to have the dream that we're talking about here in this show, right? So it's, it's a choice here of motivation because fear can get you to act but it's a very stressful way of doing it. And it's actually very slow. Either People get either stuck in these cycles that I mentioned or they stop altogether. They, they rationalize it and say, well, maybe right now it's not the right time. Right? So instead of worrying about whether you, know, you can sustain somebody for, the problem is that they don't even define the timing. They just, they just speak in kind of forever terms. Well, the truth is you have to keep doing sales no matter what. Right, so you can't just define it on those terms. Uh, and what you want to be doing is actually uh, have gratitude for the opportunity, right? Have gratitude for all the work that you have now that is requiring you to look for more people. Be grateful for your ability to sell, and use that to just and you know to know and be grateful that you can you you've got this, right? So that's a better angle to come from. Then one more thing that I want to mention today about um, building a team where fear comes in as a motivator is actually when the other aspect of building a business comes in, and that is implementing systems. Okay, so what I see a lot is that when people, when owners decide to actually implement systems in their business, and maybe for the first time, right, maybe they've been working in chaos and just getting things done, but not consistently, not through any kind of um, procedure or definite way of doing something, they actually have this very strong fear that they're going to lose people if they start implementing systems. And how I see this show up is that the, the very first time, right, that they're introducing a system, if there's just one person that has one little objection, right, to, to the new system, then doubt just sweeps in and it actually sweeps in at a very high, with, with a lot of intensity. And the, the doubt sounds like, or the little voice sounds like, oh, you know, maybe this is too complicated. 
you know, maybe uh, we're, we're, it's overkill to have this paperwork, right? And maybe um, I've had clients think uh, that this every single person in their team would quit if they just implemented this system or this other, right? Even something simple as implementing um, digital timesheets or things like that, that just means change for people, right? And, and people, employees are going to uh, object to that change, right? But what I see in the owners is the fear that this team that they've built so far is going to go away, it's going to disappear if they implement systems that they that this team doesn't like, right? So again, a lot of things get um, delayed, right? Because the owner is creating the system, they're spending time trying to do something that works and, and they're creating all the documentation or the software or anything like that to make it happen. And then they stand in front of the company and they proudly present it and people start discussing it. It's a simple discussion. People are saying, you know, what about this? What about that? Or it's going to take longer to do it this way. And instead of just kind of going through that and tweaking the solution or just implementing it and see what happens, they can backtrack, right? So it's another area where even though some action is taking place, right, because there's still the motivation to get out of chaos and create some order, it delays the whole thing and it creates a lot of stress. You know, the, the owner has this fear every single day in and out that they're going to lose their team and that they're going to lose good people. So same strategy here, right? It's the same strategy of, of working on not having that fear of making mistakes, understanding that the first system you implement or any system that you implement is not going to be perfect the first time around, and it's not going to be something that every single employee is going to like, right? And that that's okay, and that not everybody's going to leave. Some people might. That's actually to be expected when you're, you know, shifting gears in a company. But kind of coming from, again, uh, going back to an exercise in gratitude, which is about visualizing what you really want. So what I suggest in, in situations like that is visualizing that, that smooth running business, right? The business where, um, your team is really doing everything and they're doing it to the quality that you want and with the values that you actually poured into the business and everybody's happy, the customers, the employees, everybody. So going back to that place of gratitude, visualizing that, that's going to give you a lot more energy to handle these um, you know, challenges of having people tell you, well, I don't like this system or I don't like that, I don't want to change, is going to give you the energy to persevere. And this is really a lot of what this is, right? Being motivated by love rather than fear, it's uh, going to put you in a place where your energy is going to be a lot more higher. Uh, and when it is higher, it does allow you to face the objections or the challenges or the tweaks that you may have to make. And the more energy that you have to do this, the less and less scared of making mistakes that you're going to be. And you're basically, in my experience, what's going to happen is you're going to save a lot of time and you're going to start seeing that building a team is actually a lot of fun and very rewarding when you see everybody doing the job, you know, their job like they're supposed to be doing it and everything's running smoothly. Um, I have a client that just a couple of days ago, you know, she struggled with this uh, at the beginning of coaching and we were having a conversation and she said, oh my God, you know, the one thing that's working perfectly right now for me is my team. And we kind of, you know, paused and looked at each other like saying, you've come a long way from thinking that you could not get the right people and you could not keep them and coming from that fear perspective to now this love area where the one thing that she really celebrates is her team. So... If you focus on the love side, on gratitude, you can get to that point too and make basically your life a lot easier, more enjoyable, and take actions quicker. So that's what I wanted to share with you today uh, all around uh, building a team, and we're going to take a break now. After the break, Tom Pearson, uh, our co-host, is going to share his take on this and his own examples from working from clients. So let's see you after the break. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Get ready for High Vibin' It with host Lindsay Robinson and Kelsey Aida. This is an all-new look at self-empowerment and lifestyle design. If you're still trying to figure out the law of attraction, spirituality, self-love, and more, we'll break it down for you. You can create the life of your dreams and own your power. Listen for High Vibin' It. We're live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This will be one hour you will make time for. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. Welcome back. This is Tom Pearson from The Contractor's Coach. And I'm going to continue, uh, as Marisa did, to share some client stories with you and how these clients uh, who I've worked with have made a transition from operating and being motivated uh, from a place of fear to making the transition and to operating and being motivated from a place of love. So the first story I'd like to share with you is with a contractor named Jason. Now, when Jason came to me, his business was about half a million in revenue and he was actually making some money. Uh, and But he knew that there was so much more potential out there for him to get at in terms of new business. And it was an interesting situation that he was in from a mindset perspective because while he felt that he was a, uh, an excellent um, resource and one of the best at what he did in his profession, um, by the same token, he was not feeling... Uh, confident about his pricing. He wasn't feeling confident that he could go out there and get bigger, uh, larger projects to work on uh, that people would take him seriously. So his thoughts and his feelings were definitely in conflict with one another, meaning he felt competent and deserve and well, not deserving, but competent and good at what he did. But yet his thoughts were filled with doubt. His thoughts were filled with fear, fear of really failing in his business and fear, fear of making mistakes. So how this all showed up was actually in meeting with, uh, with Jason in many coaching sessions. And we talk about what to do next to improve his business. And he was cautious. He was always kind of making deci- the decision process very, very slow, slowing it down, overanalyzing it. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm talking about when it comes to raising his prices and setting a higher price point, earning a higher margin on his business, you know, and really putting himself out there as and talking to his prospects and his clients in a way that showed his confidence that he is indeed one of the best at what he does. Um, and that was not happening. Instead, he was afraid to go into those conversations. He was emailing his bids in rather than arranging for a time to go and talk to the prospect and to walk them through his, his bid. Um, he didn't want the no. He didn't want to hear no. Uh, he was def- just deathly afraid of being rejected. Uh, and so this is something that we had to work on. Uh, and it didn't just show up on the client side or the prospect side in terms of selling. It also showed up. He had fears related to hiring crew members, expanding his crew. So he was constantly up against, hey, he's at full capacity with the number of guys he's got out there in the field doing the work for him. So Jason was just, you know, it's like, you know, you can't produce more revenue, earn more revenue if you don't have more people doing work. In, over, in a given week or month, right? So you can't bill anymore if you've got a capacity issue. So, you know, he was, on the one hand, he was afraid to sell more. He was afraid to sell at a higher price. He was afraid to take on and sell bigger projects. He was afraid to hire people. 
um, because he wasn't sure he could keep them busy. If he hired them, then he had a commitment. And am I going to be able to continue to sell at a higher volume to enough to keep uh, an additional two or three guys busy, et cetera? And I could also see it showing up in his decisions when it came to equipment in his business, meaning, hey, you know, he was, he, he was working with older trucks, very old trucks, um, older equipment that he was spending time and money repairing to try to keep them, you know, functioning. Uh, but, you know, they were coming to the end of their useful life, and he was afraid to make investments, afraid to invest money in that, in those very necessary things to drive his business and to keep guys working and keep people efficient because they, they had the right tools, they had the right equipment to do the job and do it efficiently, but he was worried about making those investments. So, you know, all this while at the same time, of course, realizing, intellectually, realizing that he needed to change, he needed to grow, he wanted to grow. Uh, something inside of him told him that he should be growing, they're, the opportunities are there, um, he's just not aggressively going after it. He's holding back. And so this conflict that I mentioned existing between his thoughts and his feelings, feeling that he was the best, but then thinking that people don't understand, can't understand and truly appreciate who he is and what he brings to the table, put him into a, a, really a state of just, you know, um, paralysis, really. I mean, it just wasn't able to get out there and really go after business like he, like he felt he should. So what we ended up doing, the solution to the, these problems that he was having, of course, they were all self-inflicted problems, right? This is all things, these were all things that were living in his head, okay? Um, and it wasn't the reality, actually. Uh, it was, well, he was creating the reality of his constraints in terms of not having any more capacity, but in terms of being able to sell and take on bigger jobs and really move the needle up and then go hire people to do the work and make sure he had the equipment, that was all, these were all stoppers or constraints that were, it was in between his left ear and his right ear, okay? It wasn't based on the reality of, is he good enough? Uh, the reality is he is definitely good enough. His team is good enough uh, to, to do the work. Uh, but it was, it was the, these, these thoughts that, um, you know, that he had that were stopping him, uh, the fears that he had, the rejection that he was afraid of, that was preventing him from moving forward. So where we started with, with Jason was really giving him some sales training. Let's work on you, how you present yourself and how you present your, your, your bid and your estimates um, and, and walk, get you comfortable with that process because clearly you're not comfortable. In fact, you try to avoid it all that you can. Uh, so let's get you comfortable with giving your presentation in person and being confident and coming forward with, um, with the level of, of confidence that they're going to need to see from you in order to trust you and to you know, see you as a credible source for, for the work. So we did a lot of work with him in terms of the, the sales training, everything from, you know, the way, you, the way you address your first contact with them through to going out and looking at the job and the conversation that happens when you're out there looking at scoping the work and so forth, all the way back through to when you have present or prepared your estimate, his estimate, and is going back out to see the client. And that did a tremendous amount to improving his confidence. And in terms of just his ability to go through, have a sales process, number one, a well thought out and rehearsed process gave him tremendous amount of new confidence, okay? So then it was about going out there and, uh, and accepting that, hey, not everybody, first of all, is not everybody's going to uh, say yes. Let's just accept that right off the bat. You're not gonna be everybody's cup of tea for whatever the reason is. So let's get okay with having a no, but giving it your best effort. That's what's most important, giving it your best effort, and that's what you've been practicing, so let's get out there and do that. So what he really had to do as well, and this goes into the change and making that transition from operating out of fear, okay, to operating out of, out of love and out of love and respect for himself is that 
you know, this also entailed getting him to um, have agreements, new agreements with himself, so to speak, or words that he would say to himself every day to show uh, himself that, uh, that he loved himself, that he believed in himself. Okay, that had to come from within. He had to really feel that from within. So not only did we work on the technical parts of like how you say what you need to say in a sales process, but it also that in alone is just giving him more information and uh, creating more, you know, making him smarter in a sense. But it didn't translate into action, okay, until his feelings were changed about himself and about and about his you know his own personal self confidence and that came from hey you got to first appreciate yourself you know if you're going to ask other people to appreciate and respect you you've got to start with that uh, to yourself so you know going through the gratitude a gratitude process that all of our clients go through to help understand to set the intention for the day to set your mindset for in a place of appreciation and especially appreciation for not, you know, for others in your life, for the things that you have in your life, but also, and very importantly, as Karin referenced, to yourself for, you know, appreciation and gratitude that you're getting out there and you're going after it and you're learning and you're taking risks and you're taking chances and you're learning and you're accepting uh, the mistakes that you make simply as learning opportunities. And that's what he did. So he gave himself a lot more appreciation and gratitude for the attempts that he was making, focused on the attempts and not necessarily on the results because the results are going to follow. Once you get out there and you swing the bat enough, you're going to start getting some hits and you're going to hit and your batting average is going to go up, but you got to get out there. You got to have the mindset to get out there and step up to the plate and swing the bat. And that's what he was doing. So even if he didn't win, he was getting better. Now it's all different. It's all better in terms of how he sees himself, how capable and strong he sees himself, how worthy he actually feels. So his self-esteem increased greatly through this, this process of transitioning from operating from fear to operating from love. His, his sales presentations obviously became much, much stronger, uh, which increased his closing rate, okay, at, and at higher margins because he definitely went out there and started charging a much higher margin than he was before. Uh, and his sales and profits have grown. They've almost doubled in the little over a year that I've been working with Jason. So that is where he has gotten to all because of this transition. Another story that I'd like to share with you is a contractor client of mine named Doug. Now, when Doug came to see me, he was in desperation mode. He had tapped out most of his finances um, he didn't have uh, the money in his, whatever money was in his checking account was gone in, in a heartbeat by having to pay vendors, having to pay his, make his payroll. So it would come in and it would disappear pretty instantly. His credit cards were maxed out. His line of credit uh, with the bank was maxed out. His suppliers, uh, their credit limits were being maxed out. And so he was in, like I said, in desperation mode. He wasn't sure how much longer he could stay in business uh, and he needed help immediately. So, you know, what we could see in my com in having conversations with, with Doug was that he was always thinking about what he was going to spend money on. Yeah, I'm going to get to this uh, better software, you know, and not talking about spending a, a thousand or a couple thousand. I'm talking about $15,000 on a better piece of software. And it was just as, as if he was, these numbers were coming out of his mouth and, you know, he was exciting. He liked to spend money. He loved spending money. I mean, that's just the way he was. He liked wheeling and dealing, wheeling and dealing. That's the kind of, you know, he wasn't, and it showed up and we, as I got to know him better, you know, and how he, he handled his pricing and he did his estimates and, you know, he wasn't very detailed. He just kind of, what number sounds right, sounds good, um, you know, and, uh, and it, when it came to, you know, it just wasn't going into detail about anything. He didn't want to be, didn't want to be that exact. Uh, and what that done is it gotten him into trouble. So he had jobs that uh, he didn't realize, but he was underbidding these jobs, winning jobs and not making money. And obviously it started time after time with that happening, it started to show up in his, in his finances. 
So what I helped him understand first was question his relationship with money, that he didn't have a very healthy relationship with money. He had this easy come, easy go attitude. And hey, when money is really flowing in and so forth, very easy. And that he kind of had this, I think that's the way he's wired anyway. Uh, certainly it was easy to maintain that in his business, that kind of an attitude, easy come, easy go, and spend freely and so forth. Money's always going to show up. I'll have it. Don't worry. Um, that was his mindset, really, that he operated with. And he was just a freewheeling kind of guy. Uh, and so, you know, I was helping him understand that that's what's got you into trouble, my friend. It's, it's that you're not thinking about alternative options. You're rushing to the first solution. It's often the most uh, expensive solution. And you, you've got a problem. You want it to go to waste. So you're going to throw a lot of money at it. And I like the idea of solving, of spending some money to solve problems. That's not, a, that's not the issue here. It's how much money you're going to spend to solve this problem. And are there less expensive alternatives? But he wouldn't even want to think about it. He wouldn't want to spend the time. He just wanted to fix it right now at any, at any cost. And, well, now it was costing him his business. Not to mention the fact that he would take his, his staff out to lunch every day, that he would buy lavish dinners uh, on himself and for his clients. Um, and, again, nothing wrong with entertaining clients, but there is a limit but he just wanted to be the big spender, the freewheeling big spender that everybody kind of loved. And uh, it got him into trouble. He turned a blind eye, totally had a blind eye to all of his spending and just believed, hey, I can afford it. I can afford it until he, he couldn't. So one of the things that we started with was just to have him look at, go through the line item, line item by line item of his bank statements and his credit card statements. What are you spending money on? Look at, because he wouldn't do this before. You know, he would just hand the statement over to his admin and have her pay whatever they could pay on it, minimum payment or whatever, and let it ride. Um, and he wasn't, he didn't want to go through it. it was, it, he knew it was going to be painful. He knew it was going to be painful and he'd have to be accountable if he looked at the details. Now he's looking at the details and he's going through it and he's, in his own words, I'm embarrassed. I'm kind of ashamed at how ridiculous and foolish I've been, by the way I've been spending. So, but it took that, you know, it took him to back, be backed up into a corner and to come again and get help and support from me to, uh, coming from a place of fear. And I had to tell him, listen, buddy, I know how much you love your business. You love your business. You, and, I, and I know you want to succeed because you care a lot about yourself and about being happy and successful and financially set. Um, but your spending habits are not helping you, okay? They're hurting you greatly. So, you know, it's, it's getting him to change to see that he needed to change because he needed to do it for the love of his business, for the love of himself. Last thing this guy could see himself doing is working for somebody else. But he was right, he's uh, pushing up to that point where it, he wasn't far away from having to do that, to having to shut down and go work for somebody else. So he started to realize, I love myself too much to, to punish myself the way I've financially been punishing myself. And so making adjustments. Now we've got an action plan that he's following very diligently, renegotiating terms with all of his suppliers, renegotiating terms with his uh, with his. Uh, with his clients actually and getting them to pay him sooner, getting his, his suppliers to, you know, accept a minimal payment and good faith to extend some additional terms, um, looking at even equipment financing co uh, companies that can help him purchase the supplies he needs to start these other jobs and, and also getting them to focus on selling again. It's like you can sell to some degree, you can sell your way into a better financial position, right? You can go out there and get a lot of business and start at a good, at a decent profit range, get some business and get some money and profit flowing in. So, you know, it's going to be expense reduction and sales growth. That's what's going to get you out of this position. And that's what he's working on. This is a real life situation. It's happening as we speak right now. So, um, you know, I can tell you the change that's happened is this change in his focus and his mindset from fear to operating out of love and love for himself and love for his business and for his future. And so that's a very positive story uh, about, you know, somebody who has, has been in deep financial despair and is pulling himself out. 
Thank you for tuning in to Live the Dream. Please join Karin Dillon along with Tom Pearson and Marissa Marseille for another program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have a dream living week.